language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. We are here in the studio, David and I, and we are going to discuss episode 16 of Star Wars Resistance. X-Foils in position. Yeah. And that's what we do during the Resistance edition, right, Dave? We talk about Resistance. Resistance. Yeah. All right. Episode 16, The New Trooper is the episode that we will be breaking down today. The synapses, when Kel and Ella seek out Kaz's help after knocking out a stormtrooper, Kaz dons the trooper's armor to protect the kids and spy on the First Order. Probably the best thing he's done all season. My God, he's getting better, Michael. (laughs) He's figuring things out. The First Order is on the move, and director Stuart Lee and Writer Paul Gia Copo are moving some big pieces into play here. It has been revealed in this episode what the First Order is really up to. That's the biggest takeaway from this episode. And the implications are dire. But what? But it is what we had expected. Uh, The platform is, in fact, of strategic importance for the First Order and their plans. And it makes sense. It does make sense, and it brings relevance to the show, Dave. And this is a show that we were really belittling for the opening half, and rightfully so. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to go back and retrospectively change what I was saying. They didn't have a clear direction in the first half. Now, suddenly, moving into the second half of the season, the show, I don't want to say it's found its legs completely yet, but it's definitely getting there. They definitely have a direction. And uh, this episode's just more of that. That opening scene with Pyre walking down the ramp of the command shuttle was just fucking cool to see. Yeah. The sound design was on point. All the classic sounds of troopers walking, shuttles landing, ramp doors opening. I fucking loved it because it felt like I was watching the beginning of a Star Wars film. Yeah. It's very reminiscent to the beginning of Return of the Jedi. That's the vibe I got when I first saw that. When you open up... In on the Death Star in Return of the Jedi, and Darth Vader makes his entrance and tells him about, oh my my master will be coming to watch the that's right yeah Death, Death Star two, and that's the vibes I got from this was like they really need to actually show the badass moments for these characters like Pyre, because Pyre has been built up to be kind of like this menacing figure right for the longest time, and we we haven't seen um. Oh my god! I, I completely just zoned out on on Phasma. We haven't seen Phasma yet, but by all accounts, Phasma, Pyre is Phasma's right hand man. Yeah, that's what it seems like, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's who Kaz ultimately has to deal with. He's not going to deal with Phasma because that's 
for you know the Force Awakens with Finn and yeah, Pearl. they have found a way to kind of give themselves a buffer, not a buffer. to not to, I don't know, to pull back the curtain too early on certain characters. Even though, let's be honest, Captain Phasma probably, I wouldn't. <laughs> I think that might be a poor choice of a phrase or wording to connect that with Phasma, a character that they just haven't really done much with. And I feel like that's the only, I get why they're doing it, but I'm like, Hey guys, she's dead. Uh, we, there's really no other direction they can take her character. Why not use her to their fullest potential in, in this episode or in this show, which I, I, I have a feeling that we will eventually get eventually. there. But I do like what they're doing with Pyre. It feels a lot like what they have done with Thrawn in Rebels. Uh, and it felt like what they did with Vader even in Rebels and the Inquisitors. Yeah. And how it was a slow process to get to that big bad. There were other things we had to get to first. So uh-huh. I, it's very consistent with what we've seen with other Star Wars animations, cartoons, right? Yeah. And it's not. And the thing that I like about the use of Pyre is the fact that they're not following the i think it's a trope nowadays where they try to use nostalgia or familiar characters to also bolster like the importance of an episode no they're actually creating new characters for this show create a new character for the show yeah that's a good point and because if i mean i don't i think that i can't talk today dave again (laughs) what is it like three weeks in a row well we've been on a very long vacation in the outer rim that's why you don't take vacations because you come back just all out of sorts and you have to get back into <laughs> practice again and get back into fighting weight. But yes, I do like what they're doing with the series now. Things are progressing very fast. And I'm wondering if based on how fast the pacing is now, I'm wondering if they will take this season all the way up to the events of not just the force awakens, but possibly the very beginning moments of the last Jedi. You bring up a really good point because I didn't think about it. I was like going, I'm thinking about it now as yeah. like, originally I'm like thinking they're just going to go right up to force awakens. We know this because you know, the promotional material, you see that you see the uh, iconic scene of general Hux giving his hate speech <laughs> yeah in the, pre- uh, to, in the preview to, yeah yeah the, to to his army and stuff like that and that was the one of the 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 main plot points of that of that trailer and i originally was like thinking okay they're just gonna go up to force awakens and right before the battle of the star uh, uh the battle on star killer base they're gonna go right to that but you bring up a good point because like they're going so fast it feels like they have a lot of room to cover and i'm okay with that i'm this is not a complaint i feel like yeah let's do it what i mean we had we have not had the opportunity to do this before and and i had thought they would really bait us along for a bit but i'm actually pleasantly surprised by the amount of story and time they're burning through now i mean this show has the unique possibility david of running in tandem with our sequel trilogy Perhaps maybe giving us another perspective of the conflict within The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. And that's really intriguing to me because a show has never had the opportunity to run at the same time as a movie. This is the first time we've ever actually had the opportunity as Star Wars fans to sit back, watch a TV show that essentially runs parallel to the events of 
movies that are currently being produced or already released. I mean, this is like Avengers stuff and what they did with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't necessarily dictate the events that may take place in a movie, but the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. writing room, what do they do? They kind of fill in the gaps a bit with some of the movies or they use the movies as a way to open up the door for more possibilities for their TV show. For their TV show, yeah. And we, as Star Wars fans, we have not had an opportunity to do that yet. And if Resistance... Is that first show to do that, dude? Then they have just they have just brought a certain amount of relevance to this show that we have never had before. Oh yeah, that, that and it's funny you bring that up because like now that I think about it, this does feel like this is like the first season of Agents of Shield, where it, it a little messy, a, right? little, a messy, little messy, but you can kind of see what they're trying to do. You can see what they're trying to do, yeah. and now that uh, we're getting to that point where the second half of this season has really took off. They're like, they, 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 they basically lifted off at, at, after the uh, midway season finale. And it does feel like agents of shield in regards yeah. to agents of shield being part of the Marvel universe resistance. Yeah. I could see that being happening like this. It is surprising that if they do go this route to do it through animation instead of a live action show, but you know, I'll take what I can get. I will take what I can get as well. Yeah, that's pretty much sums it up, right, Dave? As Star Wars fans, we will take what we can get. Yeah, we can take what we can get. As long as it's not shit, you know, I'm pretty open and not, I'm not narrow-minded as a Star Wars fan. I'm open to any ideas or concepts as long as they're sound and the ideas are fully flushed out and it's not just some cheap grab to make more money. Yeah. So I'm open to anything. And if this show has a future, which I hope it does now because it's getting good, uh, it could surpass the events of the sequel trilogy and maybe give bits of closure once the sequel trilogy is wrapped. Uh, Another thing, if they slow play the narrative just a bit more, maybe slow the pacing down just a bit, they have that entire year. As we know, it was announced, what, I want to say two or three weeks ago, that the official time gap between The Last Jedi and Episode Nine would be a year, right? One year. Would be one year. So... If they do go all the way up to the events of Last Jedi, I mean, that gives the show an entire year between the two movies that would make a perfect sandbox to dabble in and and find ways, creative ways to weave the story of Kaz and his group of whatever it may be. His band, his, his band his, of misfits. His band of misfits find a creative way to weave their story into the sequel in some way. And I'm not saying a direct connection where we see them in the movies. That would be kind of cool, but, but their actions and the things they do would have some meaning or relevance in those movies. That would be cool to see, especially with how this show is going now, or I should say the direction that this show is going in now. That we see so far. Yeah. I mean, do you have any problems with that, Dave, from a, a critical standpoint, not from a fan standpoint? Do you do you obviously there's some pitfalls and some issues, but first give me your answer in regards to uh from the perspective of being, you know, a critic. Do you feel like that's smart to do that, to give to possibly take Kaz's journey into that year time gap? I think that's the best scenario. Mm-hmm. That honestly, that is the best scenario because like you have to this character that you basically made the main hero, this is Kaz's story. 
the person you made the main hero or the, the person that you made the main character right mm-hmm. you have to give him some character development and character development takes time right if if there's one thing that i've noticed with the star wars films we've always debated about them oh we're gonna take this movie and then tag it to this movie really fast like it's that moment it picks up right after that moment right mm-hmm and at first, I always said, oh, that's cool. That, that'll be really awesome. In actuality, it, time is actually something that's needed in a story to give at least some breathing room for the audience to believe that this character is growing. And giving Kaz a full year right in between where he, they can play in that if they if. if so you're saying from... From a writing standpoint, from a writing giving standpoint, him an entire year, giving him an entire year would really give his character room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree. I mean, and I mean, they can theoretically, if it's mapped out correctly, they can theoretically play within that year time gap. I would say two or three seasons worth. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Rebels. They were in such a very small time frame and they they were able to really pull out stories yeah look at the that, look at the development that of lasted Ezra. what five seasons uh-huh. or was it four seasons no five seasons five seasons and look at the development they were able to pull for ezra yeah ezra's become like one of the most beloved characters up there when it He's comes great. to the yeah. extended universe and i think that's what they need for kaz yeah they, they would need time yeah so as a fan, then you are also on board with that. With a fan, I yeah. am on board on, uh, with it as well. Yep, I don't see a downside of that at all. Um, I'm actually really excited to see what they do overall with this series now. So as long as the writing is is consistently good and they don't, I think that's the tough part. Is because like when it, when it comes down to it, it's the execution. It comes down to the writing and the execution yeah. at this point. Because if they can't first, give us if they can't give us a solid story, you know, consistently I mean, for four or five years, and I'd rather them just be a short run series and just run two or three seasons and it be high quality work that people, Star Wars fans, will go back to year after year to rewatch. Yeah. You know, look at Rebels. Rebels could have probably squeezed in another two or three years if they wanted to, but Felonia's like, hey, you know what? This is it. This like, is it. I don't know. If we can continue the solid storytelling without, you know, feeling a little contrived if we keep trying to go. And that that's the only thing that has me really hesitant because, like, the first part of this season, the first first part, first half of the season, there was so many writing issues yeah. with the story. They, they couldn't find their narrative. And now that they have, I'm like going, okay, I have to put faith in the fact that basically the their writing room is on their game now. They, they, they're they, on their A game. They're now. on their A game now. Mm-hmm. And I'm still a little hesitant. A part of me is still a little hesitant because of how bad the writing, the writing flaws were. Can they continue this momentum, you know? Yeah. It's not a, as a writer, it's not a switch you could turn off and on. You mean you can't, oh, what the Ooh, hell was, what was that? that? Wow, my my mic's all messing up. You mean Jesus? Hold on a second, dude. Yeah, we're having technical difficulties. Give me a second here. I gotta make sure. I gotta fix something. Hold on. I'm okay. going a quick break. This 
This is Star Wars from the Butter Tank Exclusive. Do realize the world is a huge place. They're probably off doing their well, own. Forget thing. about the world for a moment. Thor's from another planet. Yeah, Thor's <laughs> from another planet. And it, 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 the funny part is, I like in uh, uh, with the Star Wars, everyone constantly says, "Well, why isn't why isn't Luke around? Why isn't this around?" Like, like because he's on a different planet. Yeah, he ran away, and he's not important. Number one, he's he's on a farm. Yeah, he's he's a moisture farmer. Our 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 story. I mean, what the hell is that? He he farms moisture. Yeah, you know the. Think that do, you think they ever, do you think they ever farm the moisture from underneath their balls that night? <laughs> Just get that sweat. But Uncle Owen, please don't lift my balls up today. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, Luke, we need to do a lot of farming. Now we know what that blue milk's made out of. Oh, 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 oh you beat me to it. Damn it. George Lucas is single-handedly behind the types of sound that we have today. Yeah, he is. He single-handedly, him and Cameron are behind the visual effects of today. Yeah, because they pushed the boundaries, and that's the, my biggest hype on this Star Wars VR thing. Is it sounds to me like they're going to the drawing boards and they're actually going to be putting together new technologies to push the boundaries. And I don't think we're, I don't think we have the capabilities to create technology like that right now, truly. Japan is working on it. Well, I'm sure there is systems out there in place that look damn good, but to mass distribute it, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't want to wear glasses. I don't want to wear glasses. I'm tired of glasses. I'm trying to graduate. Listen, it's not technology. If you have to put, that's why I hate 3D. Guess what? Not technology. You have to have to put glasses that were made from the 50s on. Yes. It is true. All right. I, I just, I'm not ready for that type of commitment. I don't want to <laughs> I'm hoping that we could do away with glasses. I think it's silly that in 2016, we have resorted to 1950s technology in order to view a movie. It's it is getting absolutely there. stupid it's when you think about it. It's getting there with the new he- helmets. I don't want to wear a helmet. But yeah, you can wear a helmet. <laughs> I want to watch. Listen, if you can project it and I can just be... Fun and fancy free with nothing on me. I'm happy. I'm happy. Don't touch me. I don't want nothing on me. I don't want to lock into the Matrix. I want to sit down in the theater and be able to feed my fat face popcorn. And I don't want smudged glasses. All right, we're back. What a shit show. (laughs) Is this a professional show or a shit show? Hey, hey, we're still better sounding quality than some other Star Wars <laughs> shows out there. Well, you know, everybody has an off day, and I guess that's... Yeah, we're allowed to have an off day. That's today for us, apparently. What were we talking about, Dave? Uh, basically, the uh, mine, mine was the fear about, can I trust the writing team at this point? Yeah. I, I think we can, Dave, because, I mean... When you look at how drastically they have fixed the show since the midseason break. Yeah. I mean, Dave, it's without trying without trying to sound or sounding too sarcastic. I mean, it's dangerously becoming a relevant part of Star Wars canon and mythos. So in how many episodes? Five episodes Five since episodes. we've been back, they have managed to become relevant and meaningful to the bigger Star Wars picture. So if they keep going down that route, Dave, I, then this show will be just fine. I, I I think that as long as Dave Filoni continues to visit the, the set from time to time <laughs> and he smacks people around with, his, with, cowboy with his cowboy dick, then, you know, hey, listen, come here. Come here, Justin Ridge. I left you in charge and this is this falling apart. <laughs> no, don't hit me with that. <laughs> uh, uh, 
<laughs> if you were on the set, you'd be like, oh, please hit me. <laughs> hit me with it. I've been naughty. I've been a very bad boy, Filoni. <laughs> I, uh, don't worry about those spurs. Just grip really tight and hit me with them. <laughs> hit me with them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the fact that this could be the very platform that the First Order will use as a supply line to wage their war against the New Republic has already turned up the heat on the show. Yeah, that's, that's fucking big, Dave. So as long as they keep giving us those types of tidbits of narrative decision making, then guess what? This show will be just fine because it, it's relevant. And that's all we've been asking for. Uh-huh. I mean, there were some people that were saying that, well, I guess Kaz fails because we know the First Order were able to supply their vessels and transports. But Kaz's mission was not about defeating the First Order. Yeah, it's or, not. Or even to prevent prevent them from doing anything. His mission was was very nuanced. It was to observe yeah, and report his findings back to Poe. The resistance was at the ready in TFA, right? And in the Force Awakens, they oh, were yeah. aware that the First Order were all were all on the move. But the so thing all was, of they this, had to find stuff to to prove it. That's right, the whole point. and all of this could be because of Kaz's findings. Retrospectively, when you go back and look at the Force Awakens, the fact that they were able to substantiate their suspicions of the first order could all be because of Kaz's mission. I mean, not to mention Leia seeking out Luke may actually have to do with everything that Kaz actually stumbled upon in this very show. That's the thing that I was really wondering about because I was like going, okay, they're showing that map. Does it, is that supposed oh, dude, to be, I got a, I got, is some, that supposed to be like the map of Luke? <laughs> I got some nerd chills, Dave, just for a second. When they open up that map, I'm like, holy fuck. Is this the, the, the map that uh lore Santeca had? Yeah. I'm that's like, what oh, I thought. Yeah, dude, and then I was getting excited. I was like, oh shit. And then when, when, uh, but to, to, uh, to their credit, they went to the fact that, oh wait, no, these are supply line yeah. details. Right. And it, it, that made it even bigger. In regards to what's a bigger, bigger, oh, bigger, bigger, <laughs> it made it bigger to the the storyline of the resistance versus the first order. Yeah. Because, in all honesty, the first order still has to gain its teeth at this point. Well, and nobody really knows what they're capable. They don't of. know what they're capable of. Yeah, I mean, obviously, people have ideas, especially because I think a lot of people realize they are an offshoot of the empire. They're the the fragmented remnants of of the empire for the most part. Yeah, a version of them. So I think some people have their again suspicions. Suspicions, but knowing, you know, having facts is very different than just having simply suspicions and 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 thoughts and it, it really was impressive actually thinking about most it when impressive you, when when they when you actually think about it the first order has been doing this under the shadows throughout the entire galaxy and the ability to actually when when kaz actually sees all, the map and he basically it pieces it together that basically oh it's a supply line you mean to tell me the first order has been doing this under everyone's nose. Well, when you, and it, they're, makes they're it, sound, the, it makes them sound more uh, insidious yeah. than anything else. Because it's That's awesome. Like, oh, okay. it, it, it makes them more contemplative. And uh, honestly, it makes them just appear to be more of a threat. It, a it's threat, not, yeah. It's, and it, 
it I don't feel like it's it I feel like the the biggest problem I had, one of the big problems I had with the first order just popping up is like, how did this happen under the watch of the New Republic? How the fuck with all that had transpired and how many of the very indi- the very individuals who are leaders within the New Republic Not be, see this be, being individuals that were involved in the war against the Empire. How the fuck did they allow this to happen on their watch? Well, it was from within the shadows. They were consolid- slowly consolidating and growing their power within... Uh, not wild space. What is it? No, wild space. The outer rim. No, not the outer rim. It's the it's the new yeah, wild space, yeah, right? Yeah, wild space. Are you just agreeing with everything I said? No, no, no. The, it's like, yeah, it, wild space. It's called uh, the it's That's not what it is. Partly I'm, I'm called... thinking of something else. I, I unknown regions. <laughs> unknown, unknown regions. I think are both of us fucking up today? <laughs> I think so. I told you it's our off day today as uh, with all of the information that we have to deal with. The unknown regions. The fact that the the first order calls the unknown regions their home that's where a lot of this is happening and then it it makes a lot more sense that this could happen it reminds me a lot like how terrorist cells form or new terrorist organizations like for example isis yes there was a lot more involved that helped them form and grow to power but sometimes things happen under our nose because we're too busy looking over here what the right hands yeah and and the left hand doesn't know what's going on yeah but it just it creates this rather than just being this diabolical empire you know you have this group that just is slow it's 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 very reminiscent of what sidious did now sidious was just in the prequels in In the the prequels prequels. right however this is an entire organization with one thing in in mind Whereas with Sidious, he was the only one that really knew every what was going on, every aspect. I mean, I think debatably you can say, or arguably you can say, Dooku also was in the know. Uh, but for the most part, no one knew that this war was a complete farce. With the First Order, it's an entire military group working within the shadows. I mean, that's that's some scary shit as well. And oh, yeah. it's and it's 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 similar enough to feel consistent with being essentially an offshoot of the empire, but it's also unique enough to to not feel regurgitated or feel like we've been there done that before. Yeah, because like I like it. I I really do like it and I like the fact that you pointed out that it has like real world implica- implications. Oh yeah, for sure. Because like we can actually relate to what's going on right now, especially with like the current landscape with like ISIS and, um, you know, all the terrorist activities that go around in Europe and some, sometimes here in the States, they should build a wall too. <laughs> keep, keep them terrorists out. Oh dude. Don, uh, Donald Trump as an alien in star oh. Wars. I think Kaz, I, I think it. his solution should be to build a wall around the platform. <laughs> build a wall. Oh yeah. my god. That that unfortunately that does seem like Kaz's idea. <laughs> All right. So besides what we found out with the first order, writer Paul Giacopo he set out to flesh out Doza just a bit more in this episode. Yeah, I was happy with that. I, I was too, because I was waiting to get back to this. We learned that he left the Empire for personal reasons. Yeah. I think that's enough for now, especially with an episode that was filled with a lot of relevance. 
Uh, and we forget that Doza is no dope. He knows that the First Order is not to be trusted, and he's aware that he might have made a terrible mistake by allowing them to occupy the platform. More and more, their freedoms are being taken away. In fact, his entire office was just... <laughs> he kicked them out of his own office. That yeah. was so messed up. Fire commandeered Doza's office. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with Doza. And once it comes becomes more clear why he left the empire and I'm, I'm i think it's pretty easy to figure out that he obviously when he said personal reasons you get the idea he no longer agreed with the politics of the empire or he became privy to what they were really doing what they were really doing yeah and that's why i think it his story is actually very intriguing for me because it's it, there's not many stories where we get to actually see the person on the other side regretting it being on that side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's why a lot of those, a lot of those stories where it deals with like the, the character or the officer who realizes the side he's on is the wrong side. And he has to figure out, I want to distance myself from that. That's why when originally when they showed uh, Kaz get his Imperial officer uniform, I was really intrigued. What what are they going to do? Are they just going to make, Doza into the mole or he's the mole that basically sides with the first order. Instead, they went with the route that basically he doesn't want anything to do with the first order because it's, it, he knows from his past experiences with the empire, what that does. And, you know, for me, when he says personal reasons, I'm like going, well, he, he does have a daughter. He probably doesn't want his daughter to ever know that he, he doesn't part. want to yeah, he doesn't want Torah to Torah. find out, you know, he was essentially part of the Nazi order in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, well, dude, they're kind of setting something up with that. And put put a pin in that. Put a pin in really it. Really fast, yeah. because we got to go to a, a live read here. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital Pledge. $5 or more a month and gain access to hours and hours of additional Star Wars discussion. We review comic books, books. What else do we review? Pretty much anything. Anything we can get our hands on when it comes to Star Wars. And we do that all through our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. Pledge $5 or more a month. All right, Dave. You know, I was very surprised by the amount we learned this week, even when it came to how the First Order groomed, trained, manipulated, brainwashed, and controlled their troopers. They delved in this into this a bit with Finn and yes. how he was essentially raised by the first order. But we find out that it's far more nefarious than just simply control and, yeah. and getting them while they're young. Dude, I have, and to... I believe one or two of the books, maybe a comic might have already gone into this a bit, uh-huh. but to see it on screen and explained as basically a form of mind control with words like reprogram, reprogram, uh, the first order is essentially the Nazi regime. Yeah, I mean brainwashing, uh, possibly with the use of some type of narcotics or mind control agents. I mean to assist in brainwashing or indoctrin in, or indoctrinating their troops. That's what we got from that, right? Oh yeah. I mean that's some dark level shit. Oh, it is. That's why that one scene where he actually turns to. Turns to the uh, trooper and basically orders him, oh, take this person to get reprogrammed. And I'm like going, 
the way he the way they treat it. Do you think the writers were reprogrammed after the second half? <laughs> <laughs> but the the way that they treated it, it was like, oh, it is nefarious. It, it it's worse than basically being a clone. Because you know, at least with a clone, yeah, they could program the clones. It was a little different though. It like was the, a little different. The clones I mean, that's a topic. You know, that might make for a great discussion for a Patreon show. The difference between a clone and a stormtrooper. Yeah. Or, I mean, or the, at least the first order troopers. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's like, at least with the clones, it, for me, when I thought about it, when, when I saw that scene, I was yeah. like, at least it's like a personal choice. They were born into this. Right. The stormtroopers, it sounds like they were taken away from their lives and then reprogrammed. Yeah. And and just like you said, that's a very Nazi youth type of levels of evil that I'd never thought about. Yeah. It's bad, dude. And it's this episode was saying a lot of stuff and it had a lot of those uh those moments where it made you think. It wasn't just simply the writers kind of going through the motions and trying to set up, you know, fear and create a villainous aura. It was far more than that. There was a lot going on within the subtext. There was a lot of statements being made about propaganda and manipulation. I mean, look at Tam, for example, defending the first order and the lesson this teaches. Okay, I loved this part. It might have been from a critical standpoint. It's probably my favorite part of the episode. It's such a smart way to pose questions of ethics and morality. For example, when Pam said her grandfather worked for the Empire, and that's what kept food on the table. On the table, yeah. We are quickly reminded that politics is so much more complicated than simply right and wrong. Now, when you're dealing with the, the lives of people, there is right and wrong. It's, it's, very, it's very black and white. But when it comes to politics and personal politics, it is not black and white. Yeah. I mean, I have my own opinions and thoughts, but that's not the point. The point was rather smart. Remembering that this is essentially a kid's show, right? Uh-huh. This is such a great teaching tool, but not because they're telling you how to think and what opinions you should have. But it's more about getting people to think for themselves, critical thinking, getting the brains of kids to act independently and not just rely on what you're being told. Yeah, it's they are laying down pieces of evidence, Dave, and letting the audience draw their own conclusions based on the facts. Yeah, it's a way of actually showing different perspectives from a different point of view. Yeah, okay. and, but and they're taking that up a notch to not just be yeah. a a philosophical a philosophical thought, but something more political. I mean, and that's how TV can educate. You know, everyone always says, "Oh, we have responsibilities," and and, me, and I, as an artist, will put all of my own personal thoughts in this. But they're not putting necessarily their own thoughts and opinions, their own politics. They're they're getting people to think for themselves by posing questions that they don't answer. They don't answer the question. You know, um, Tam doesn't come back or Nico doesn't come back with, well, you know, uh, 
the the first order is manipulating children and doing this that would be so heavy handed and so yeah. contrived and we don't want to be told what the writers are trying to teach us politically instead they set it up they set up the question and they leave it open ended and they have tam struggle with her own politics because yeah. she realizes oh, i could be completely wrong that's why i like the fact that they threw niku into into the that scene because it was like Nico agrees with Tam and then he has to I think I wrote it down here he, his exact words were You think he wrote it down there or he did? No, uh, well I think I got it I think I got his exact words was a threat uh, he he agrees with her and says that he feels safe in a threatened yeah. by a military kind of way <laughs> and I'm like going you know what? Dude, Nico's so good. Nico Nico's the really one that good. needed to be actually be in this to make Tam think about it. Yeah. It just gave him that gave him that sliver of like doubt. Yeah. When he says that. And that's how TV can educate. I, I don't have problems with that. Teach people to think for themselves. Teach individualism rather than group thought, because that's the real dangers of this world. And if you're gonna put any type of teaching into a into a kid's show, this is probably the one I'm okay with the most. And ultimately, the lesson is that politics is subjective. And I and I feel like that was the point. You can demonize someone based on their beliefs or political views. Yeah, sure. But remember that people are all born and brought up in very different ways, very different parts of the world. And people form their politics based on their own life experiences. Excellent. Just an excellent message. And excellent episode overall. There was some silliness that I could have, you know, could have done without. But that's to be expected with a show like this. I mean, there were moments where I kind of sighed when Kaz was fighting with a droid. And uh, <laughs> but but because we were given so much substance, that doesn't even bother me at all. Yeah. That, and that's what the, I think the writing has really excelled at for the past five episodes is giving a substance giving a substance and not yeah. letting the humor ruin your narrative <laughs> because let's face it the first part of the season oh the humor just made you want to facepalm all the time now it's kind of like okay i'm just gonna inject this humor hey it, almost kind of like a reminder it's a kid's show <laughs> yeah. so i i really do like the fact that they're starting to actually figure out the proper mixture between humor and then kid and, show yeah no i agree the the difference the balance they're the finding balance. the balance they're finding between their balance you know writing. being a kid show and also delivering some substance yeah yeah all right dave why don't you give me your final thoughts my final thoughts for this episode i was very surprised that i would like this episode i really did enjoy this episode they, they i thought it would be just been they're just re- going to regurgitate about the 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 problem of the first order the dangers of the first order i thought that that's what this episode was going to be about but it was so much more it dealt with just like what you said the politics of like there are good people that real do world believe, politics that do believe in the right of the first order hey there's it's security versus you know what you're willing to uh what you're willing to sacrifice for that security and stuff like that i'm really surprised that the writers are gonna are tackling a lot of these political uh, story arcs. I really like the fact that basically Kaz is 
slowly maturing before us now after the beginning of the first we're season. witnessing his balls drop yeah we're witnessing pretty his, soon we're gonna see some pubes maybe pop his, up maybe his maybe <laughs> maybe his voice will drop uh, maybe <laughs> we can only we can only hope and it'll he'll have that lando calrissian voice maybe once he has a wet dream he'll realize that he can now have sex with sonara <laughs> you think that's the direction they're going and all of a sudden he just starts talking like a smooth Smooth. He's all, Lando. yo, what up, what Sonara? Up, Sonara? <laughs> he completely what changes. Your voice? Yo, what up, girl? Mm-hmm. Give me uh, those, give me those green lips. You want to see my cockpit? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh, it's between my legs. Yeah. Overall, I'm really psyched to see where they're going to go with this, with the series at this point. I agree. I want to see more about Doza. I think that's going to play heavily. That has to play heavily into Kaz, what Kaz is going to do. Yeah. And the more the episodes that I've seen, the more I'm really intrigued. What is going to happen to Kaz? Yeah. Well, that's that's a good thing, right? I mean, we need to. We need to care. If we now. don't care or look forward to seeing what's going to happen with a character, then then they're making all the wrong moves, right? Yeah. All the wrong decisions. But the fact that we care now and we're psyched and enthusiastic and interested in seeing what happens that's a testament to the writing for Kaz and, and what they're doing with this show now, suddenly. So I, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Right, Dave? No, no complaints for me up until this point for the past five episodes. I yeah. think it's very been strong. Yep. For a mid-season finale. Yeah. All right. So that concludes our discussion on Star Wars Resistance, episode 16, The New Trooper. I want to thank everybody for listening and thank you, David. May the force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper 1, and if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to FromTheBackToTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and that is to your favorites. Thank you, and uh, listen responsibly, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to From the Back to Tank. From the Back to Tank is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotank.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Tank, as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash From the Back to Tank. 